The Hard Yards Brought to you by Sports Joe You're very welcome along to the Hard Yards Extra Or the Extra Yard if you will um, We are on our summer break at the moment But we were very fortunate to have an opportunity To chat to former Springboks captain and Munster centre Jan de Villiers um, So we thought we had to take the call And we thought we'd put this out as a little extra podcast special for you um, During the, the, the next half an hour we chat to Jan About his time at Munster uh, His toughest opponent and the toughest team that he has come across and he just talks to us about the, the special memories he's had in a, in a game that lasted for him over 15 seasons. And for him, he just kind of talks about the moments he cherishes and, and those kind of things that stand out in his head. Just as he says, from being so lucky to be part of 15 guys running around the field chasing a rugby ball. So I hope you enjoy. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Hey, Jan, how are you getting on? How are things? Yeah, it's all good. Thank you. Uh, sun, shiny day. Uh, yeah, it's uh, in the winter, so it's it's not bad. <laughs> and um, you're saying you're you're driving away in your car. There is there. A, are you heading off home? Or are you heading off to see folks? Nah, yeah, I'm on my on my way to uh, just to a meeting. So uh, yeah, and uh, got an office job these days. So <laughs> doing a bit of TV work, but an actual office job as well. So uh, last break different to, uh, to being a rugby player and what's the what's the line of work you're in now yes yeah, so I'm actually employed by a, a wealth management company um, it's part of a, a listed company in South Africa um, but I've got quite a quite a nice little gig there with um, so I head up the, the philanthropy division within the business so working with a lot of uh, non-profits and um, and in the in the non-profit sector and, and just helping in terms of the sustainability of uh, a lot of the charities and, and looking at the charitable giving of our client base. So it's actually that and um, yeah, so uh, quite a quite a nice job to have and, and seeing seeing the difference that you can make in other people's lives. So I've, I've really enjoyed that, uh, you know, that sort of transition into into something new, being part of a corporate environment, but actually doing something that uh, that changes people's lives. So it's pretty good. Oh, brilliant! And you were you were saying that you're still doing a bit of TV work. Were you um, working away for the, the South Africa versus England series recently? Yeah, so, so I'm on contract with Supersport as well. I'll broadcast uh, yeah in South Africa. Um, you know, doing Super Rugby and then also the, the Test matches that South Africa played. So mm. I was uh, I was doing all three Test matches the last couple of weeks here in South Africa versus uh, versus England, and and quite quite exciting the, the three Test matches. I think uh, the whole of South Africa, you know, was a little bit tentative beforehand and and not expecting a hell of a lot from South Africa. But um, certainly the the new coach, the new players, and and the new style of play surprised a lot of people. And I think we will take the two one series. Um, and from a, from an England point of view, I, I suppose for them to finish it off on with a win and get back to winning ways would be a positive for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, a lot of people kind of felt, especially in those first two games when England came out of the blocks so quickly and, and they were ahead. Um, I God, they were well ahead. I think it was 23-12 in the first test, but uh, there was fears that maybe it was a, you know, a couple of games too soon for Razi Erasmus, but they came back so well, didn't they? And the likes of uh, Khaleesi and uh, Faf de Klerk and a few other guys who were kind of making debuts or only a couple of tests in, like it's in such a short space of time things are looking a little bit brighter for South African rugby yeah look uh, especially that first test you know with all of the emotion that, that went with 
that game and, and, and see Akilisi being, being selected as, as captain and um, and sort of catching or the interest of the whole of South Africa, not just the um, rugby supporting part of South Africa. Um, you know, that was that was quite special. And then going down 24-3 with 17 minutes into the game yeah, yeah. Um, and being able to take all that pressure in and, and turning it around and getting a win, you know, it, it was a very much a roller coaster ride that first game, and, and as a spectacle, I think it was brilliant. So um, a lot of a lot of people put their, their hands up and, and certainly showed that they belonged at uh, you know at international level. Um, and as captain, I think she did a fantastic job. So you mentioned the um, the likes of of a Foster Clark, that was man of the match for that game. The influence of a Dwayne Vermeulen and a Vinnie Larue. Uh, you know, and all those guys being based overseas and being being, uh, being brought into the, the Springbok fold again and, and, and playing the series, it, it had a massive impact and, and certainly added a lot of value to a, a relatively young side. So um, all the selections that Rossi-Rose was made, you know, was just spot on and, and he's obviously got a, a long-term plan and, and all the pieces of the puzzle at this stage are, are fitting perfectly. And would you would you know like I know um, did you cross paths when you played with, with Razzie at all like would you have come across him much like do you know him well? Oh yeah, so um, we played against each other. We never played with each other for South Africa, and then um, you know he he came to to Western Province and the Stormers in two thousand and eight to go over as, as Stormers coach and um, you know and, and and he made me captain then. So we worked quite closely together for for a number of years. And um, and yeah, I really enjoyed you know working with him and playing under him, and, and, and he had a stint with a with a Springboks as well in a, in that one. Um, in in seven, and then again in, in 2011. So um, I've really enjoyed that, and he he uh, he really is a student of the game, and has always got some some nice ideas, and is showing all the box at the moment. Yeah, and it looks like um, I, I think the way the World Cup works out, um, you know, South Africa are in a tough enough group, but it actually could work out that Ireland could face um, South Africa in maybe the quarter final stage or something like that. So, um, have you had a chance to see much of us um, those games against Australia? Have you have you kept track of that? And you think you know it'd be a tough old quarter final if those two sides came up against each other? Yeah, well, we hope that won't happen. Will we? <laughs> um, it's uh, an interesting series for, for Ireland as well. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of uh, credit must go to their, their coaching side and, and, and the players for, for the result that they got on that tour. Um, you know, and, and being able to do that while, while I suppose, introducing a lot of, uh, call it second-string players to, to start some of the games as well, I think is, is brilliant. So to, to develop while winning is, is really is fantastic. And, and I think Ireland will be a very difficult team to beat at the World Cup next year. Um, you know, I think New Zealand is still pretty much leading that race and, and a difficult team to beat. But um, but Ireland is probably taking the, the biggest claim as to uh, the next best team. Uh, and that's showed again against Australia this year. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy to win in Australia and to, to be able to to get that series win I think is a massive positive for them so um, look the, the World Cup is still what 15-16 months away 
um, and a lot can change in that time. And, and I certainly do believe that South Africa will get better. But um, yeah, if if Ireland had to play South Africa tomorrow, unfortunately, I don't think it's the, the South African dream that we come out champs for that one. That's good. Well, that's from, that's from my perspective, that's good. But um, I was kind of talking about, yeah, like the connection that maybe you and Razzie had where you both kind of, um, you know, crossed paths and then played for Munster as well. And, and is there a couple of players, like if, if there's ever a South African player or a coach thinking of making a switch up to, um, you know, maybe coming up to Ireland to one of the provinces, would they get in touch with you? Have you convinced a few people? Have you been kind of a, an active agent for Munster in, the, in recent years? <laughs> I certainly have. Uh, don't tell any of the South African rugby like, union people about it, but uh, look, I I, um, I absolutely loved my time at Munster, and even though it was only for one season, it it really was a time that I to this day still cherish, and I love going back. I love seeing you know the lads that I played with again, and um, and it really uh, it, it just was a good time in, in my career, uh, and not just in my career, in my life as well um, with that experience. So. You know, I, I absolutely love Munster as a club and, 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 and Ireland as a nation as well. I fully love it. So, um, uh, you know, before Johan van Gaan, when he had the offer to go to, to Munster, he also contacted me and I, and I spoke uh, to him quite a few times about the challenges, um, but also about the culture of the club because I think that is what makes the club so special. Um, the same with, with Yakitata as well uh, and a couple of others over over the years. So, and um, yeah, it's uh, I will anyone that ever gets the opportunity to to go there. I think um, from a South African point of view, I, I would I would definitely encourage them. And um, and I have done that in the past well. So uh, yeah, I, I should I, I should start <laughs> probably charging fees for yeah. uh, for these uh, services that I provide in South Africa. I might have to keep the for sale the call and just start negotiating on that. Yeah. <laughs> and and how did it come about, like the, the move to Munster, how did it come about was um you know, who reached out to you at the time and, and kinda said, you know, this this great Irish province were on the lookout for you. Um and was there any other clubs that were, you know, maybe looking to get hold of you at the same time? Yeah, look, there were a couple of a couple of um clubs at that stage that were interested. Um you know Sean um, uh, Sean Payne was was manager mm. at that stage at Munster, obviously playing a lot of games for them and um, being a South African. And uh, in a way, I, I wanted to challenge myself in a, in a very different way. At, at that stage, I didn't have any other South African players on their books, uh, and I wanted to take myself out of out of a comfort zone and you know, in South Africa and and experience something different from a player and a coaching point of view. You know, experience uh, or, or see the game in a different way, um, and also learn from that. So that's why Munster was a was a good fit for me then. And also, I'm a I'm quite a um, bit of a traditionalist, and and I enjoy the the history of clubs, the the traditions, and and I think from a Munster point of view, they they are big on that, mm. uh, and also the support that they get. It's a it's a proper rugby club. You know, supported by the community, supported by everyone. You're not the, the Blue Bulls are, I suppose, in South Africa, quite a big franchise of club uh, in terms of rugby around the world. And people in Pretoria are quite passionate about their rugby there. But I always tell people in South Africa, 
Kwaki people in Pretoria counted by 10 and then you get the people of Limerick and how they are about Munster and, and Munster rugby. So it's a special place to go. Toman Park is just, you know, it, it, it's such a great venue and the vibe that you get there while playing or just watching the game is, is brilliant. So um, whenever anyone goes to to Ireland just to visit, I tell them to you know, have, a, have a drive through Limerick, go visit Toman Park and and experience that the museum and all of that there. So it is, it is it's pretty good. And, and how did it work out for you? Um, I know at the time the, the camps were split up in Cork and Limerick. You, you probably based yourself in Limerick. But I, I know when, when I think it was Bundyaki and Jay Keenan came over to Galway, they were brought out for a night. They rolled into two nights out and a few drinks and stuff. Did you get a, a kind of similar welcome when you arrived in Limerick? Yeah, um, over, over the years I've had a, a drink or two there. Um, but yeah, it, it was very different than we still had the two camps. Uh, and I quite enjoyed that, you know, the, the drive once a week to Cork and, and the bent in the car. Um, and I thought that was special as well. And for a team, part of that, uh, a professional team, to, to be able to function with basically two camps and still be as successful as what they were back then, I, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, it, it's, uh, it takes a, a special team and, and special individuals to be able to achieve that. Um, and I think we saw that with that grouping of O'Connell, Lagara, Harlett, Hayes, uh, Flannery, uh, Marcus Oren, David Wallace, you know, the list goes on mm. and on. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it was remarkable what they did. But I actually went back to um, to, uh, to the facility to Limerick on um, last in November and, and saw the new facility that they had there, and and it's world class, you know. So um, it's a facility that that certainly is conducive to to success and and one that they can be very proud of, and and I'm sure that will create a lot of success going forward as well. So um, it's great what they achieved there. Uh, but like I said, that the, the drive to Cork once. Uh, once a week was pretty special as well. I suppose uh, you you you, um, you lose a bit by by not having that anymore. Yeah, and would you? Yeah, because I remember speaking to Anthony Foley before when, and he spoke about that, and because he came into you know Munster in the mix of amateur and professional days, and he was saying that. It, those are the type of drives that you would miss a bit and you know you'd be sharing cars with people and you know would you be doing that would you drive on your own or would it, you and a couple of lads all hop in a car together and, and take goes driving yeah no we used to hop in the car together um, you know and uh, and take, take on the drive to to uh, to call so you know and that's also why you get to learn your teammates a little bit better and, and obviously for me as, a, as an outsider coming in and a, a final coming in um you know, it it uh, it helps in terms of of getting like I said, getting to know your mm. your teammates and uh, creating special bonds off the field as well because it is quite important uh, in, in in a team environment. Like you need to get to know you know your fellow your teammates off the field as well. Once you get get closer off the field, that that transfers um, onto the field as well and and usually helps in, in the performances on the field. All that certainly. You know, what I felt over the or experience over the years. So, um, yeah, it, uh, like I said, it is something that that will probably be missed now. Mm. With only having one venue, but then again, you gain a lot of extra time, where you can probably uh, have some other social gatherings as a squad in in, in one, um, uh, you know, in one venue. 
And, and is there anybody who stood out? I was kind of just thinking, like, um, you know, maybe you haven't played inside centre a few times. You're kind of, you know, second receiver, or you're you're kind of so close to O'Gara. Was he somebody that kind of stood out as? you know did he help you settle in I'm sure he wouldn't give you too many games to get your feet under the table before he's barking at you already yeah no look <laughs> it's um, uh, well, I've been played international rugby for seven years prior to, to joining Munster um, you know I had the opportunity to to uh, um, you know get to know some of the guys and um, and while we were still busy with the, with the Lions series in South Africa mm. earlier that year I think it was after the second or third test, and it, it, it was not. I think it was after the third test, and at that stage, um, I've not announced it that, I'll, that I'd be joining Munster. And, uh, and Paul O'Connell came into our training room, and we had a chat, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, you're joining us." No, I, not yet, not yet. <laughs> no, they don't know yet. So, um, but, but yeah, I've got some good stories about uh, a lot of the lads, and I suppose um, you know, those international guys that I got to know. Prior to to going there, certainly helped with the with the transition, um, and I was based in London. So having a guy like uh, like Paul O'Connell really helping, having a guy like Sean Payne, even though he wasn't manager, but he certainly helped in terms of our second in. Um, and then the you know the cool guys, A. Agora, A. Howlett, uh, um, you know Keith Olsen, Keith Lemick as well, um, Ian Downing, who was playing at that stage, Dave Murphy, mm. um, in London, you know, so guys that. Um, that certainly helped with the transition and, and guys that I'm still in touch with to this day. Uh, you know, Barry Murphy came over for his honeymoon to South Africa earlier this year and oh, came over for a nice barbecue at my house and uh, and, and sort of reminiscent about uh, what happened in Limerick back then. So yeah, it's good and, and I suppose that's a beauty about those that you get to you get to make new friends and, and uh, you get to know people that you usually would never have met and um, and to keep those bonds strong and to actually, you know, um, make an effort to, to keep it strong, I think is what makes rugby so special. And, and when Barry was over, did he bring his guitar with him? Was was he playing any music when he was over there? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't. You know, so, uh, uh, yeah, he's he's done fantastically well since retiring mm. from rugby. So um, hopefully that... Uh, that can still last for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So just going back then, maybe before even this, this, you know, your breakthrough and the trip over to, to Europe and the Lions and, you know, all the kind of great achievements you had in your career, just kind of maybe your early days in South Africa where you grew up, you know, what type of a neighbourhood was it you grew up in and were you from like a rugby mad family or did you have any, any other kind of sporting interests? Yeah, look, I, I was very fortunate to, to grow up in a, um, you know, in a, in a rugby family. My father played for Western Province as well. And, um, and if, uh, if I'm honest, I can't remember a life without rugby. Um, you know, every memory that I have, uh, um, rugby was always relevant and always there and thereabouts. And I was, I was fortunate to have rugby people and legends of South African rugby in our house uh, growing up, you know, on a, on a weekly basis almost. At that stage, obviously, I, I had no clue some of them were. But later on, I, I realized, and, and, and I'm very fortunate that a lot of them stayed in my life and, and influenced my career for um, uh, for a very long time and until I eventually retired from rugby. So um, so I had a, a very privileged upbringing, and, uh, and, and rugby was always part of it. So I went to a good, a good rugby school, got good coaching, and... Um, and and even though I, I played most sports and loved cricket and 
and, and swam, you know, provincially uh, at age group level and did athletics and, uh, yeah, like I said, captain my, my first in cricket team. Um, you know, rugby was always a sport that I wanted to do and, and wanted to do. So I was fortunate to get a contest straight out of school and and sort of the rest is history, you know. So um, it was always my dream, even before rugby turned professional. I was just lucky to be able to live that dream and um, and have a career, and a really long career, um, as a professional player. Uh, it's uh, it's it's an opportunity that not a lot of people get, and, and I'm very fortunate to have had that. And yeah, you mentioned you, your your dad playing for for Western Province as well. Then so. Is that kind of something that stands out to you? If you kind of those early games, you know, standing out there and and you know your your family getting along to watch games, just kind of must have been kind of proud moments for you when you were making those initial breakthroughs. Yeah, no, look, firstly, rugby is pretty big in South Africa, and I never saw my dad play, but he was very much involved with rugby for a long time post his playing days, and and I also remember you know us going to rugby games, club games, and. It was very much you know, community-driven, uh, the wives and, and, and kids and everything would go with. So my dad and my mom and my brother and I would go and my brother and I would be ball boys next to the field for the, for the teams playing. And um, yeah, and, and it really just made me fall in love with the game. So um, it's it, you know, special those days. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully at some stage I can experience the same with my son. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, cause, and that's it like because you you know you kind of lucky enough I suppose some guys don't maybe get a chance to do it as much and their children they, they start families after they retire but you, you know your children are old enough maybe in those last couple of years your career to kind of go into dressing rooms which you maybe bring you out onto the pitch as well are those kind of things you look back on and kind of fondly remember too yeah that, that's that's probably one of my proudest if not my proudest moments of my uh, of my career was when I played my honey the first game and um looking the girls can't remember that but um I had my my, my two daughters at that stage uh, age three and one mm. um you know they went out to the field with me and I remember them riding a rock post guard and so just having a yeah having a, a good time um and, and my son at that stage, well, my wife pregnant at that stage with my son, so he never experienced that. Uh, but they'll, never, they'll never remember that, but it was actually this last weekend they, they showed that because the Beast played uh, yeah. his 100 test match um, and they sort of showed, um, you know, the images of, of my 100 or 101st time as well. And, uh, and then I showed them on TV and I couldn't believe that they were on TV you know? so uh, those are special memories and, and like I said all, all due to, to a, a silly game of sitting in tracing the ball and trying to hit each other you know? so I was fortunate enough to, to be relatively good at it and, and have a fantastic life as a professional player I was looking back. Um, I think this is maybe the last time I spoke to you I was looking at your you know career record and in terms of tests you played against and like for a guy like I think you must like so many games against the All Blacks as well like one of the toughest sides to ever kind of play in the world but you actually had a decent enough record you took their you took a few scalps from them over the years were they when you look back on I know you played the Lions as well but you know and you played in a couple of World Cups but were they was that the biggest challenge you ever had like the All Blacks and was there a certain side that stood out to you as the you know the toughest or of guys of a certain yeah. generation 
Yeah, look, uh, growing up as a South African as well, we, uh, you know, the, the challenge between South Africa and the and, and the All Blacks, uh, you know, it's always been quite big, and and, and we really do uh, uh, respect them for that. So uh, yes, it was. Uh, I think I played the All Blacks twenty three or twenty four times, mm. um, which is quite a lot. And, and I think I had a few moments in that time. So. Not the kind of success rate you want, but um, I suppose not bad in terms of uh, the way that they've dominated, certainly in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, there's always a big challenge. The Lions here is always so special because, you know, from a South African point of view, you only get that opportunity once every, every 12 years. And having played in the series in 09 was pretty special. And, and playing the first few tests and winning both, you know, it's a 100% record against them. That's it's something that I'm really proud of. Um, you know, and, and, and then obviously World Cups as well, being involved there, even though I was quite unlucky having been selected for four World Cups and basically getting injured in all four of them. So, Jesus, yeah. I had a, had a lot of highlights, had a lot of setbacks in the world, but, but then again, that's life and, and, you, and you learn from it. Yeah, considering that, that that you had all those, you know, a couple of bad in, knee injuries, like you still had 109 caps for, for South Africa as well. And um, yeah, I think the one that stands out to most people, I know, I think you, you, did you get injured before the 2011 World Cup? You maybe missed the whole tournament? No, 2011, I, I did I did play. I played in the first game, broke a couple of ribs and then played again in the quarterfinal, which we lost. So uh um, yeah, the, the biggest blow was probably the 07 one mm, where I one, got yeah. injured in the very first game. My bicep against the Samoa and then, you know, we went on to win the World Cup. So I've got the medal, but I <laughs> uh, didn't really think that I, that I deserved it. Yeah, like, like that's it. Roy Keane missed the, the Champions Cup final or Champions League final for Manchester United and they gave him the medal and he, I don't know, I can't imagine he has it on display. But I know, you, like, considering you helped, you know, you got them there to where you where they were and part of that squad like but the the one yeah that, that a lot of people kind of remember maybe maybe because it's recent in their memory was the just the horrible knee injury you had in yeah. you know in in you know 2015 and you know that, that that was pretty awful wasn't it just um how long were you out for after that yeah look that was quite a, quite a bad one and, and and a big setback but but again, you know, like I said, I, I like to be quite philosophical about these things and realize that, that it happens, you know, and life happens and um, and that adversity is something that will happen at some stage and you just need to take it on with a positive attitude. So I was out for just over six months with that knee injury back playing again. Um, but it was always tough to come back and you never back to the same sort of standard. Um, but again, learned a lot for myself in, in, in fighting all the demons throughout that six-month period of rehab and, um, and just showing that it's possible if you, if you really work hard. So, um, you know, happy with the end result in that I could play a game. Um, but yeah, it, was a, it, it certainly wasn't easy. <laughs> and, and how is the body now? Like you're only 37 years old, um, still a, a young man in, in relative terms and... Um, you know, you've been out of rugby now a couple of years. Like, so has the body healed up? Like, do you still do stuff to? I know from just chatting to so many rugby players that they they keep a very good general level of fitness. They'd probably argue otherwise. But um, do you still kind of, you know, are you still active in any sports or vain about the body? 
Yeah, not really, eh? Um, trying to juggle the, the sort of new career and, and, and family life and all of that. So what what's frustrating is, is, is not getting time to actually train. Mm. Um, so my knee is giving me a fair, fair bit of issues uh, every now and then and not really able to, to, to run. Um, but yeah, so, so the body takes strain, but I suppose as rugby players, you sort of uh, get uh, get used to living with the pain and... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is, and I just need to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we kind of talked about the toughest team or, you know, facing those All Blacks and the Lions and stuff. In terms of players, is there anybody, you know, a couple of players that stood out as the toughest guys you ever came across? Oh, yeah, very much so. Look, I've been playing for quite a long time at the, on the international scene. Uh, I played against some brilliant centres. Um, you know, Brian O'Driscoll, you know, one of the one of the best I ever played games. Mm. Uh, um, Sterling Mortlock, Tana Umaga, um, Yannick Jojian for France, uh, Sunny Ball Williams, Matt Kital, uh, and and Ma Nonu would probably be the one that that sits right at the top. Mm. So played against some some brilliant players and always enjoyed the challenge. Um, you know, and, uh, and I also believe that it's uh, a lot of the time it's about uh, the partnerships that you play play against in the midfield and. Darcy and Odriscoll certainly, uh, they were, you know, they were a great partnership and, and probably right up there with, with Nonu and, and Conrad Smith, uh, you know, Money Tulagi that I played with and against as well. So, yeah, yeah some brilliant players and, and a lot of them I got to know over the years as well and, and can now call my friends. Uh, and yeah, that, I remember we, we spoke for, for the Hard Yards earlier on this season with Conor Murray and... He was saying that um, the two jerseys he, you know, if you swap jerseys at the end of the game, she'd cherish most would be Mike Phillips and Aaron Smith. You know, maybe guys that he kind of associated himself with and had battles against with. Is there any kind of jerseys that you swapped that um, have pride of place in your house? Uh, look, I don't have any <laughs> any like memorabilia up in my house, um, but yeah, you know, the the jerseys I have of. Um, of my nonu that he you know, actually for my hundredth test match he he gave me his jersey and and, and really appreciated that um, you know and then I, and then I swapped jerseys with Raj um, with uh, Paulie O'Connell as well mm. and um, so I, those I really do change where where you didn't only play against them but they're actually your your friends and um, and yeah so. I haven't thought about it like that, um, but yeah, I would say those are pretty special. Jamie Roberts's jersey that I also have of the Lions here, um, you know. So, yeah, I've got quite a few. I should go through the selection again, see what I actually have. Go <laughs> and yeah, search the wardrobe and see what's kind of there. Um, the, the one, uh, one of the things I kind of like best about the Springboks they often did, and it was, um, I don't know, even Razi kind of brought it back in a little bit when he was at Munster. It was just the idea of popping over to the opposition dressing room at the end of the game and having a few beers you know you don't even have to have a few beers just have a chat and you know at the end of the 80 minutes you're you know you're all still as you said 15 guys just playing against each other is that when you look back on the game is that one of the things that stands out most it's it's not even the time out on the pitch it's those kind of few minutes or that half an hour in the dressing room at the end of games is that something to you that you'd kind of cherish a lot yeah, I think that's something that's been lost in the in the professional era, where you don't get time to socialise with the opposition that mm. much, and 
Um, and certainly in the amateur era, you still hear the stories about, um, you know, opposing players still being in contact and being friends and, and building on those relationships post playing days. So uh, I enjoyed that and, and just getting to know the other guys. And, and I suppose through doing that, you build up a bit of respect as well. So it is something that I will always encourage and hopefully they can do more of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Jan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, and, and thanks for um, taking some time out of your day to, to chat with us here at the Harrod Yards. And um, yeah, hopefully maybe in, in the next year or so and as, as the World Cup ramps up, we might, have a, we might be lucky enough to chat with you again. Fantastic. Thanks, Pat, and all the best there. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Got to the short side. Oh, it's before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score!